All right, how you guys doing? Hey, I'm going to tell you guys right now, this coming Monday, yes, this coming Monday, we're going to be launching a new series over on the podcast side of thing. It's only going to be audio. It's going to be a, hopefully, I'm going to be doing it Mondays and Thursdays, so twice a week. I'm going to be covering all the wild, crazy stuff that goes on in the world that is not uh, directly, it's not going to be Russia-Ukraine stuff. So every single crazy story that I could possibly find on planet Earth. I mean, it took me it took me a few hours yesterday to come up with a ton of stories, and I was, and I could not believe some of the stuff I, I read. I mean, there was literally there was one talking about a lady. She literally put inside of her Grubhub notes to call the police because she was being held captive in New York City. I didn't even know this was a thing, and so it got me thinking. Like, how many more are there? I found like another like twenty. So if you guys would like to be a part of this new venture, go ahead and follow the podcast down below. Starting Monday, you guys will get audio episodes uh, directly, only for audio. Um, hopefully, they're going to be about an hour long. So give you something to listen to on your way to work and whatnot or just hanging around. So if you want to hear the crazy stuff that goes on in the world outside of Russia, Ukraine, because we know this is pretty crazy as it is, uh, go ahead and follow and listen over there. So out the gate, we actually got some praise from a man who is actually currently inside the Ukrainian military known as Operator Sartsky. I've talked to him a few times through, uh, well, through text and whatnot, and, and I felt pretty good. The most recent situation, you can also follow uh, Speak the Truth. Those channels are highly recommended for you to subscribe. Those guys are analyzing uh, every day's situation on the front lines and uh yeah they, they're doing a very nice job in my opinion now it is kind of crazy to think that we are the place that people actually come to find out what is actually going on inside of ukraine and it's also good to hear that we're a trusted source of information coming from someone that is currently serving in the ukrainian military it makes me feel pretty good i mean we've, we've put a lot of effort into it and you guys are going to hear me say here in a little bit uh, the last 24 hours has been kind of difficult to actually figure out what's going on on the ground which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, but we spoke about the fact that Russian military was actually violating NATO Baltic states airspace like literally two days ago. Well, apparently it's actually been happening a bit more than we actually thought. And it's been very, very underreported. Now, I don't know if it's been brought up because they didn't want to stir the pot a little bit more or causing any confusion. But once the Estonian claim came out, there was a few others that followed too. So Lithuania, as you guys may possibly know, it, it is a NATO nation. And they have been experiencing the same issues recently, but at a higher rate of Russian intrusions into its airspace. Now, in the last week, Lithuania has actually had to scramble eight separate times. Okay, eight separate times last week and 13 times a week prior due to Russian fighters entering their airspace. Apparently, every single time they have done this, they've had no pre-filled fight plan, which is pretty, okay, that makes sense. But they're also flipping off their transponders. So they literally come across the borders, you have no idea where they're at, and they go across the other side, they kick it back on. Now, Russian naval vessels have also been causing a little bit of problems as well. The Russian ambassador to Denmark was actually summoned to the Danish foreign ministry this past week due to the Russian military vessels violating NATO's territory inside of its waters. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. It's just they keep poking the bear. Now, the Baltic states are extremely worried that there is a chance that Russia could actually come after them next once they complete whatever they see fitting as a win inside of Ukraine. I don't know if that's that, that, that's true. It could be. I didn't really think that we'd be sitting here in 2022 talking about the rise of Nazism. once. I, 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 got, I didn't think that was going to be the case either. Now, the tensions as a whole on the bordering countries with Russia seem to be rising more and more as well. Finland, which we know has applied to be a part of NATO, and will be accepted at some point this summer, I believe, has now came out and said 
uh, they've literally said this, that they're preparing, they have been preparing for decades for a Russian attack and would actually put up a stiff resistance should one occur. Finland has a wartime true strength, by the way, of 280,000 with 870,000 trained reservists. Finland also has Europe's strongest artillery and has stocked up on cruise missiles with ranges of 230 miles or 370 kilometers. It just ordered four new warships as well as 64 F-35 fighter jets from the United States. A recent poll showed that 82% of Finnish people, civilians that is, said they would actually be willing to participate in a national defense if Finland was actually attacked. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Think about it. If they were actually to be attacked... You would have a very motivated, motivated military to fend off the Russians. Now, Russia's even causing a little bit of issues over near Japan here recently. We know they've had some issues with the Coral Islands that, that started a few months back. But let's just, let's just sit back for a moment. Just take, just take a few things in. I talked about this already. And you have to ask yourself, what is the end goal here? What is Russia's end goal? Okay, they're starting to work with China a bit more on certain type of things like this. Like, how many countries can you poke until one decides to do something? You know what I mean? Like, the only reason why no one has actually done anything yet to Russia is because they know it'll end up being a World War Type, or scenario, a World War Type 3, that is, uh, which is clearly not something that anything really wants. I mean, I don't want it. Nobody wants it. There's no need for it. But Russia, for some reason, I don't know what's going on if Putin's on his last leg. Like, I don't, no one knows what's really going on and why they're doing the things they're doing. But eight Russian and Chinese warships actually were spotted in the seas near Japan as well. Five Russian ships have been near the Japanese islands for the last week, like literally the last week straight. This is clearly nothing more than a show of force by both Russia and China. Uh, we know that China isn't too fond of Japan at the current stance when it comes to security of Taiwan. So you have China and Russia both having issues with Japan currently while they play games inside of their waters. So it's just, I, I feel like, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I feel like we're like in the mid-30s right now, leading into the later 30s. It's a lot of you guys probably are history buffs or like history or, or war in, in the sense if you guys are listening to this. I, I feel like we're kind of like to that point. Now, not to the certain extent where uh, the Russians, I, I don't know, some people consider them to be Nazis in a sense, but I know they're, they, they can't be. Like, they're not doing the concentration camps and the crazy stuff that actually did occur. But the world domination type mindset is something that you can kind of put them both in the same jar. Okay. So we know that Russia has been struggling to replace its ranks. Now, we know that's been a thing. Yeah, with new soldiers, either after ones have been KA and or wounded, just casualties in general. Now, it seems that there's a possibility that the Russians are currently forming the third army course that has 15,000, I think it was 15,500 troops that will have permanent orders. These are essentially reservists. They're, they're, they're forming a unit with men that weren't on permanent orders prior. You know what I mean? So they're forming a whole new one. And they believe... They believe that this newly formed unit will be one that will actually try and take key for a second time. Don't know if that's going to happen. No one really does. I, I'm not going to go out and say that that's going to happen, but I just wanted to throw it out there. They look like they're forming a new one, and they're all going to be on permanent orders that could possibly be the, the men that actually go after and try to take that, that northern portion of the country uh, a second time later on this year. Hopefully, for their sake, they don't try again in the rainy season. So throw that out there. Now, there has been a lot going on uh, on the ground on the eastern side of the country. So we are going to be switching over to talking about a little bit more mapping stuff and just what's going on in general. So this is there's just quite a bit going on, especially on the outside 
the outer edge of Severe Nadesk, not Severe Nadesk itself, but on the southern side. Now, just real quick, in Izium, now the Russians have actually restarted their offensive to push south once again towards Borvenkov. And have actually retaken the town of Dimitrovica, which I believe they've actually taken and lost and then retaken and lost. I think this is like the fourth time or so. Uh, this is the area I'm talking about just north of Barbenko. For everybody who is listening right now through podcast, it's just outside one of the main routes that leads into it. Uh, that's pretty much that's all that's, that's gone on inside of this area. I don't believe the Russians are going to attempt any type of river crossing anytime soon along the river, uh, the Nenets River that is north of Slovenask. This whole purple line that Alder runs through here, I don't believe they're going to try it as of right now. I do believe they're going to try it in the near future. I did see some video footage, which I'm not going to show you guys because it's just, once again, Russians driving on a train. But just north of Lyman, they've actually been able to set up a, a pontoon bridge for a train. Yes, with, with a train. So they've been able to somehow fix that bridge that was blown out. So now they actually have a freedom of movement uh, through Kupiansk uh, with, with that train. So just so you are aware, uh, it may, it's mainly for supplies and, and so on and so forth. I, lo- I love how inside those videos, though, by the way, it's always like them at the, the, the ready. Like those Russians are at the ready with the, with the machine guns and everything just ready to go. And then they got like helicopters following them. When we all know they're like so deep into Russian-held territory that they're literally nothing's going to happen to them. It's just all propaganda. But we are going to move over to Severe Nadesk. I'm going to switch over to a closer map for everybody who is, is watching right now so you guys can see. Okay, so it's going to seem some doomsday type stuff is happening in this area. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Uh, I have had to wait a day or so in making this episode due to how difficult it's actually been to track information that is going on uh, inside this region. It's, it's been very, very, very difficult. And what I mean, like extremely, it's, it's been extremely difficult to decipher what is true and what is not. Like, extremely difficult. Now, some sources state that Zolote isn't encircled, and some say they've completely retreated. Some are claiming that... Uh, there's an offensive push coming out of Zolote, and it's headed south towards Canandavika, which is just southwest of the city itself. I don't believe that'd be the case. I, to me, that doesn't really seem feasible nor strategically beneficial. It really doesn't. I mean, if you look at it, like why, why would they want to make an offensive push south? That wouldn't make any sense. Okay, so I don't. I, I, you got to realize I go through a lot of, like a lot of sources, like a ton. I'm talking. I have to. I have to essentially, when I put together these mappings, there's a lot of maps that I, I do read and a lot of them I do utilize. Okay. There's a lot of people that have them, but a lot of the times those aren't fully correct. Like you can literally take somebody's information that's on the ground. Like a lot of the people are on the ground. You could take some of their information, piece it together with another one. And then the puzzle pieces really start being put together. That's pretty much over the last 48 hours or so. That's how this map and this, everything, this whole situation that's going on has had to been put together. It's been very difficult. So with that being said, I'm going to move into the just just the northern side of Zelote to Severnitas. We're going to move north here. I'm going to talk about that for a second. Which has been extremely uh, seeing some heavy fighting, if you guys do know, over the last two weeks. It looks as if Russia has actually learned some of its lesson when it comes to river crossings. That's what I was talking to you guys earlier. Now, I want to bring this up. Uh, this is one of the reasons why they've actually shifted a lot of their men, I believe, on, on the southeastern side of this push, I guess you'd say, of the city and pushing more north. So we know, just so just refresh you guys, a lot of the men were, or excuse me, a lot of the Russians were actually trying to push all the way through here. We know that they attempted this. It did not pan out. It was one of the largest casualties they've ever sustained during the entire conflict. I think they lost about 400 men. Okay. That being said, they then shifted all their men around and they came through Papazna. Just so you guys have an understanding, who are new. They don't really know how we got to this point. Now, I believe I called that out uh, like a day or so before it actually happened. I think everybody could really see it happening, them shifting their men. Now, I do believe in the near future, they will actually attempt another one, possibly around the same era of Bilorovica. I'm going to go ahead and clean that up. This area is what I'm talking about. 
Okay. I do believe that they could possibly try one inside this area. It has to do with terrain. Okay, there's a reason why they went through this area. It was it was going to be feasible for them to get a pontoon bridge to get stuff across. Uh, but I do believe they're only going to do this if they've been forced, if the Ukrainians, that is, have been forced to actually shift men from this area to help with the current Russian offenses on the outside of Lyschansk. And that's why I believe they actually pushed the men up on that, that southeastern side. They knew that they wouldn't have to deal with going across another river. See what I mean? This main Donetsk River that goes through here. That's why they're coming up through this way because it would be a lot easier to, to manage. They haven't been doing very well on those in the first place. Now I say this. Because the main route coming out of Bilorvika is is one of the only ones that actually connects with the, the road that leads out of Lyschansk. Okay. I say that they're going to do another one roughly inside of this area just because of the main routes that come out. See these main routes? They tie into that one. That's If they can somehow get control of that route that leads out of Lyschansk, they pretty much they are going to gain control of that entire region. Okay. You know what I mean? They can gain the, the, the route that leads out of Bilorvika, that is, on the side of Lyschansk then it effectively cut off anybody from being resupplied in this area. So once again, the towns of Voronov and Borovsky. Okay, we're going to shift a little over here. The eastern side of Severnodesk. Those two towns, they're now once again heavily contested and heavy fighting is actually taking place within the towns itself. It has been said that the Russians have made it to the airport on the outer edges of Borovsky were actually pushed back uh, in the last 12 hours or so. Now, at the same time, a Ukrainian element has actually moved out of Syrotin, it's a suburb of Severnodetsk for everybody that is listening, okay? It's just like an outer edge of Dallas or some sort. That's the best way to put it. Now, I believe as this element pushed out of this outer suburb of Severnodetsk, they actually were forcing the Russians to push back south. But at the same time, the Russians saw an opportunity and decided to move in from Medicline, okay? Now, decided to push an element into this, this suburb, I guess you say. Now, there's heavy fighting taking place inside of this area, now, I'm not entirely convinced that we aren't seeing another overextension by the Russian military like we've seen in the past, but I'm, I'm also not seeing whether the Ukrainians are going to be able to mount any sort of big counteroffensive without getting some sort of reinforcements in the area. And that brings me back to what I was talking about earlier, and that's why I was bringing up the, the river crosses be, being a thing. You know, I, I believe they're going to do it at some point. I believe it could be here in the very near future. I'm, I, I could be incorrect, though. And I, I think the Russians realize if I, I, if I could see it from here, if they're able to choke off this area, all of this area is pretty much going to collapse. Uh, and that brings up the questions as to where they're going to get these reinforcements from. And that they have to have reinforcements inside this area to make it work. Now, I'm not saying that this is not this is going to happen. I'm, I know this is really doomsday type stuff and, and bad if you're on the Ukrainian side of things. But I'm trying to bring up and be honest with you guys. I mean, it, this isn't the end. I mean, look at look at Kiev, look at Sumy, look at Chernihiv, look at that whole side of the country. The same type of stuff was happening. And somehow they got out of that. Okay. Now we're going to push a little bit south towards one of the more crucial areas, which I honestly think is more important than Severe Desk itself. I know that sounds a little crazy, but just because of this area falls and the chance of Liz Chance holding off the Russians becomes slim to none. Okay. So we're going to move south to here. This is a very, very important area. Uh, just so everybody who isn't viewing this on YouTube, we're just south of Severe Nadesk now. We're on the northern side of Bakhmat. It's, it's the pocket just north of Papazna, Zalote, all that area. Okay. Now, we'll say, after piecing together what I've, what, I, what I've gone over in the past day or so, I am fairly confident the Ukrainian military has actually been encircled. I didn't want to talk about it yesterday because I was not for sure. I, I, like, I, I was sitting there thinking about it. I, I think I worked on it for about two and a half, three hours. And I got to the point where I was like, I, I can't put this out because I have no idea. 
Like I, I, I don't feel comfortable in saying they are encircled, but now giving it 24 hours, letting the dust settle a little bit, I believe the men down here in Hirski and Zolote are encircled. I know there looks like there's a little bit of gap here, which we'll talk about here in a second. But I believe, I know this, this is doomsday stuff, stuff, but I believe they are currently encircled. And we have another Mariupol situation starting to form, except this time there really isn't anywhere underground to hold out for a long period of time. The Russians were able to push out Amirna Dolnia. So just right here. So they secured this two days ago. They were to push out west towards Laktivika and then have captured that town and then actually push south into Ray uh, Oleksandrovica, which, you know, I, I think I need to do a little bit of research on what is Oleksandrovica because there's multiple inside this country and now there's a Ray one. So I, I need to look it up. Anyway, I know it looks like there's a gap. And this is the gap I'm talking about between Ray of Oleksandrovica and Vrubica, which is just southwest of it. Okay. So you guys see this gap. You guys think there's one here. Okay. Now, I'm going to switch over to 3D mapping so you guys can understand and take a look at what the roads look like inside of this area. I had to I had to look at it myself just because I was wondering, is there any way for them to actually push through? So here's Mir- Mirna Dona that they took a couple days ago. They pushed. Actually, we're just going to shift it. They pushed west and then took this town, and there's Ray Oleksandrovic. So they control this. And then if you guys shift, we're just going to shift in the direction of Vibrika. I'm sorry I've jacked that up. But just right here, look. This is, this is not very far. I mean, we're talking a few farm fields. Like, it ain't that much. There's really nothing there. So there really is no way for them to actually squeeze through there. We can, we can rotate it all the way back around if you guys would like. Uh, we'll take a look at what, what, where they would be coming from. But there's Hirski and there's Zelote. This pretty much is now, they're, they're encircled here. Now, the big thing here, we'll go back over to the mapping, is, as you guys can tell, most of the ground the Russians have taken over the last 48 hours is pretty much just farm fields. And Hirski and Zelote is going to be like it's going to be significantly more difficult to take because it is once again urban warfare. But even if they were to somehow and attempt a retreat through this one little square area I am talking about and just showed you, they're going to have to worry about being hit with indirect fire as they try to exfil, which means they're going to end up taking really really heavy losses doing so. I stated in the last couple episodes, I think it was last episode, matter of fact, that there could have been a planned retreat to a new defensively held line. Uh, but that idea is not really the case after seeing how it's panned over the last 24 hours. I thought there was a possibility maybe they might be setting up a new defensive line right here, roughly. I, I wasn't for sure. I mean, this is the way the terrain laid out. It did make it possible. But now I'm also, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that to be the case. Now, I'm also not saying that there isn't any hope for the men that have been encircled because, like I've said previously, so everybody is know, there is a chance that the Russians have overextended themselves once again, they've done this multiple times and pushed too far to have success on paper. Okay, To have success on paper is something they're fine with. They may have given the Ukrainians a way through. Okay, So I'm going to clean this up just for a second so you guys understand. If you guys are watching on the channel, to have success on paper, think about it. Over the last 48 hours, they have secured roughly this much terrain. That's a lot. Okay, Now, at the same time, we know that these are going to be a lot of conscripts inside of this area. Conscripts aren't really heavily trained. They're not going to have the best stuff. Uh, once again, we go back to, I don't really know exactly what kind of resources and reinforcements the Ukrainians can get in this area, but that's pretty much it. If they if they push too far, the Ukrainians might be able to find a gap to actually get out of there, or they may have already retreated, but as of right now, I don't believe they have, and they are encircled. Now, to make the situation just a little bit worse, I know I don't want to do that, but to, to be honest, to make it a little bit worse for anybody who's on the Ukrainian side of things, Bachmont's right here, as you guys can tell. We're shifted a little bit southwest for everybody who is listening. All right, 
So the main road leading out of Bakhmut is now under constant small arms fire, making it almost impossible for supplies to get into Lizchansk itself. So this main route that goes all the way through here, roughly this section, is constantly under heavy fire. So it's going to be very difficult to move anything in and out of there. But I know there's another route that is just north of here. So we know that this main route is just north of here. Now this map doesn't show you guys, but it's going to be very, very difficult. And I believe they're going to have to start utilizing this one, by the way. But moving forward, it's going to be very difficult for the Russians uh, to, to actually manage to get through some of these trains that, that, and the obstacles that lie ahead. We know that this is a very large ridgeline. If you guys have been on here a while, there is a very large ridgeline right here that overlooks uh, the main route that they're already talking about, which I'm going to tell you guys right now, they're going to be heavily fortified positions inside this area. So it's going to be very difficult for the Russians to actually push northwest out of here. Like it really, it will, it's actually going to become very difficult and they should slow down pretty significantly. I know this was all doom and gloom in this area. I know it's been, it, that's pretty much what it's been, but there is some good news for everyone that is on the Ukrainian side of things. The high Mars have actually got into country and if they get in this region fast enough, they might be able to actually help a ton and really change the pace of the Russians movement significantly over the next 48 hours, four days, three days, five days a week. Don't really know exactly, but what I'm, I'm saying is the high Mars, if they're able to get them in there somehow, they might be able to significantly and drastically change how fast the Russians are actually moving uh, northwest out of here. Well, the main thing is, this isn't good. If you're, on the, if you're on the Ukrainian side of things, it's not good that the men inside of this area are currently encircled with really no way out, as I, as I, can, I can see. Unless they can somehow find a way to push some men in from the northwest side, maybe this way, and create some type of gap for them to then take this main route out of here. Like, maybe that could be the case. I don't know. I really don't. That one's kind of a tough one. So, anyway, we're going to back out of this area. Not a lot has changed on the Severe Nidus front line. There's been men in, in that are trying. I, I believe the end, the end result to Severe Nidus itself, of the city itself, I believe they're going to end up having to retreat into Lizchansk and holding that ground. I believe that's what is going to end up happening. Now, we're going to move. We were just inside of this area right here. And we're just going to move a little bit south. They are actually doing a push once again. So, we know that uh, two days ago they came out of Oldahar, took Pavlika, and then they push south. Okay, they're, they're now currently fighting down here in Yurevika as well. I've heard some reports that they've taken it. I'm not, it's not, not, a, not a for sure thing yet. But the U Ukrainian military started that offensive out of that town a few days ago, like I said. But I'm not sh entirely sure what the play is down here in this area. They've actually now shifted a little bit uh, of their men west and east. Um, but, I mean, it is a good thing because they are taking it by ground. Maybe they're trying to actually push down and through. I don't know how large the force is out of there. Uh, you would think that they would actually start to push all the men all the way through. We know there's another push that's actually happening right here as of right now. But you would assume all the whole front line would actually try pushing if they're trying to shift or force the Russians to shift some of the men from Kyrgyzstan over to here. That could be that could be the case uh, to try to make the Kyrgyzstan front a little bit more successful in what they're trying to do. So I know doom and gloom episode, trying to be honest, trying to figure out what's going on for everybody who is on the Ukrainian side of things or just trying to lay it out. So... Up in this region, we're going to see a lot of movement over the next 48 hours, I would assume. So stay tuned. I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, make sure to check out the podcast channel. Uh, link at the very top of the description. I do love you guys. I'm out.